Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you an event rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on the current weekend's UFC event, complete with hot takes, possible next fights, and reactions to the overall card. Paid Bloody Elbow podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your Bloody Elbow fight analysts. Bloody Elbow podcasts are proud to be sponsored by RevGear. They've been a pioneer in the industry and have grown into a formidable brand and true leader in the MMA gear market. Bloody Elbow listeners get 20% off. Go to revgear.com slash bloody elbow email sign up. Hey everybody, welcome back to the MMA sixth round, uh, sixth round post-fight show. I almost... I almost I went. Like I threw you off there. That's my fault. No, it's okay. Welcome back, everyone, to the Six Round Post Fight Show with me, your host, as always, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Eddie Mercado, back with y'all once again from the close of UFC Austin. And man, does it feel good to see a UFC card going down in front of a live audience, a fight night card in front of a live audience where they had to book a bunch of cool fights. Because, man, they were cool fights. With a crowd, right? Yeah. People were... Actual crowd. You know what the the real value that showed up here with that crowd was? What's that? It was that totally okay, not great fight between Clay Guida and... Joe Kim Silva, where the crowd was hyped. Like I was hyped. Yeah, it's the crowd. The crowd is hyped. Oh, they the crowd, they're bringing the Guida hype. Guida made it. Guida overperformed and made it. He overperformed and made it interesting. But what I'm saying is that, like, Guida doing that in the apex in front of dead silence, sure. you'd be like, nah, all right. Yeah, that's fine. But the whole crowd that they're going, Guida. Yeah. And you're well, like, the same token, I think the Sean Brady win would have been a little more fun if it were in the apex. <laughs> got all the booze, the, the cell phone flashlights came out, maybe unjustly, but they came yeah. out. Yeah, you know, I'm still, card, it, was, it was a great card, top to bottom. We had no complaints going into this on paper. It was well booked. It looked meaningful. It looked violent. And honestly, the only complaint I have going out of it on paper is that I feel sad and I feel like MMA is not that important because I got a whole night of, oh my God, cancer is awful and killing all of our people we love and know. And we feel really bad about it to go with this great fight card, which I, I look, I can't even the say was Zane. Just go out. And no, say I can't even say they shouldn't do it. It introduces something very important at a time to two people who are tuned into something else. And it shows off that it is important because you immediately juxtapose it with the fights you see. You're like, okay, fighting isn't as important as this. This is meaningful. This is heartfelt. But at the same time, I then walk away and be like, it really isn't as important as this, you know? Go go hug your loved ones and tell somebody you love them and, well, yeah, you know, be good to the people around you. You know, as long as the guy in remission, like, his guy wins, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's a risky game. That's a risky it, 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 game. it is every bit of the bringing uh walt harris back after his daughter you know and having the whole thing and being all this emotional stuff and then him just getting iced in the fight you're like oh my god i don't i don't feel good about any of that so yeah that that's a small 
that's a small aside, but this was a great card. This had a lot of great fights, and uh, we should dive right in, which is going directly to a, a hard a hard fall for Benil Dariush. It feels so rough when you've got a fighter like that, like like Dariush, like Ferguson, like we've seen so many other fighters before who climb, scrape, claw, tooth and nail to get all the re- all the way up to the very top edge of the division and they just never even get the title shot out of it. And then they start hitting that wall and they hit that wall hard. And now, I mean, is Darius ever getting a title shot? Probably not. Um, He's only 34. It could happen still, but. It would be maybe a short notice replacement. Hard to see him going on another run. Like yeah, run. You know. This does have a lot of that that Tony Ferguson flavor to it. Of the Grays are coming through, you know. Although that's just a that's just a trick. He's just like I can I can say perfectly fine that that's just bad luck for Darius because I'm I'm older than he is by a healthy distance and that's just you know yeah but what stress is zane simon dealing with come on now man uh fight camps over there huh? no okay okay fair enough i don't have fight camps you doing weight cuts <laughs> you get knocked out for like he's, you're, you're saying that the darius has got the the obama gray <laughs> where he started <laughs> his presidency <laughs> with normal colored hair and ended it with the King's yeah. MMA, man, he's he's seen some shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He's seen some shit. Um, yeah, this was tough. Um, shout out to him for even taking the fight. Yeah, you can see why nobody wanted to fight, you know, Armand so you can There's a reason that when fighters get to that top five of the, the division, they lock it down. You don't give up that ranking for anything other than a fight further up. Yeah, this was tough, man. Dariush yeah. got sparked, and I picked him here. I thought this was going to be another Mateusz Gamrot situation where the veteran comes out and just, you know, the guy in front of him doesn't bring anything that he hasn't seen before. Um, but shit, Saryuki brought something that Dariush ain't seen before. Yeah. That, that knee to right hand, which was almost like a Superman punch kind of. Yeah. Transfer of energy from your leg to your arms. Awesome finish, brutal finish. You know, that's a that's a that's a combination of just a brilliant technique thrown at the perfect time, coupled with superior athleticism and exuberance. Yeah. And and they talked about how it was like, oh, it's amazing that he generated that kind of power with his legs still up in the air. But I mean, that's just one of those things where you're lifting up like that, and as you're bringing that leg down, you're falling all forward onto that punch. Like, you know, I think it really is just. Just the perfect, and it doesn't hurt either that Sarukin's an absolute brick shit house, you know. Like, oh yeah, he hasn't been a finisher in his fights before, but this might be a Drew Dober situation where Drew Dober was like light fisted volume puncher guy when he got to the UFC, and as his his technique started to come together, he became a pure knockout artist because. You can't be you can't not have power forever when you're built like that, is what I'm saying. When you've got arms that are the size of your legs, it can't just not happen, you know? Yeah, he's getting <clears throat> excuse me. He's getting his grown man strength in now. Yeah. For sure. And so, he wants Islam re- the Islam rematch, which Yeah, I can't wait to see it, you know? You gotta I know I'm I, I guess Gagey is out there waiting for a title shot right now. And we've got Charles Oliveira in line for the rematch potentially right now. So he might have to take another fight if he wants to fight again anytime in the next year. Or just, you know, hope that somebody gets injured or something falls apart. But I have to think now at some point we are going to see the Makachev 
so you can rematch. Even if it's not for a belt, we will see that ha- fight happen again. Well, <laughs> we're we're way more likely to see that than we are to see Saryukian versus Bobby Green. Oh yeah, no, that fight that fight died tonight, no question. Uh-huh. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was never was never much of a grudge match, so you can they 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 formed that fight out of nothing just this fight week, you know. It came to blows though. It did. It did. It, it was just you know, Green talking about how he didn't want to face more uh, wrestle dudes, and so you can was the name on the tip of his tongue for that. So he's not going to have to. That's you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he didn't. Yeah, <laughs> he got he got what he asked for. He did, um, but actually, he didn't. Like, yeah, we'll get yeah. There, but yeah, yeah, we'll get there. But yeah, this is this was just an awesome performance for Sarkin, and like, if he's putting his striking together to be to be an actual de- threat on the feet now, that's gonna make a huge change for him from being. As you say, you picked the uh, a sort of Gamrot situation again. Yeah. And it obviously wasn't that, you know? Not even close. Yeah. And honestly, this might be where I start getting afraid for the safety of Darius out there against the elite fighters. Yeah, somebody mentioned here that uh, hopefully Darius can get rotated into the old man section of the lightweight Poirier Chandler Gagey, but those are also all the dudes ranked ahead of him that didn't want to fight him. Like... Darius sure. called out Poirier already, and Poirier was like, "Oh, that's a great idea." And then he thought about it for five more minutes and was like, "Nah, I don't need that fight. I'm not going to do it." It's much more likely that Darius gets rotated more into the like Matt Frivola, you know. Uh, I don't know who else is even ranked in the bottom half of lightweight right now. Oh, I mean, they could. Over. They could do, yeah, they could do uh, Dariush versus RDA. I would watch that. Yeah, versus the ghost of RDA. Sure. Um, But otherwise, you're you're looking at Dariush Hooker. Are they they tight at all? Like Kings guys? Oh, well, RDA has, he's split from Kings a couple of times. He's now. I, I still don't know if they would fight each other. True. He's now at Novo now, apparently. Honestly, the perfect fight is Dustin Poirier, but Poirier's so big, it's hard for me to to see him accepting that kind of fight. Yeah, Poirier's on that one or two more fights until I retire kind of track, and he doesn't see Darius as being in those couple of fights, you know? No, it does nothing for him. Yeah, we're, t- we're probably more talking like Fiziv and Hooker and as somebody mentioned here with the becoming a measuring stick gatekeeper Benoit Saint-Denis which would be the kind of point where your your fears of the Darius future might come in cuz right those are you know Fiziv, the Fizives and the Benoit Saint-Denis out there they are they are killers yeah i uh no it's true it's tough yeah it is. I mean, the thing Darius has always had he, his chin has always been his biggest flaw. You know, this is a dude who once got absolutely nuked by, uh, you know, who was it by uh, Ramsey Nijum. Mm. So a it's, long time ago, it was. So it's not like we haven't seen Darius ever get knocked out before. It's always been possible. But it just feels like at this point, two back-to-back TKOs, you're looking at, like I say, that, that, that title top five kind of group just starts to close the door on that because they want to fight each other or they want legacy fights and stuff like that. And that's the thing is like, I feel like Darius has earned these legacy he fights, has, he has. but the numbers say other, like the numbers, yeah. the, he doesn't move the needle to where he gets the respect from the people in power to make that kind of decision. Yeah. Sad, sad to see. 
otherwise, you know, for uh, if so, Eakin's going to have to fight again. At some point, you know, Michael Chandler might have to come back to reality and realize he's not getting that Conor McGregor fight. Man, that makes me nervous for Darius a little bit, right? No, I'm saying for for so you can you do so you can oh, ooh, uh, sure, you know, yeah. You got Gagey sitting and waiting. I don't think Poirier is going to be interested in taking a fight like that. Oh, you got my dog in a sweater. She's mad. She's in a sweater, like a Christmas sweater. Mm-hmm. Nice. Shoot. Molly in the sweater. Does it match anyway. yours? Y'all have the same. No, no, I don't. I don't have the same sweater as my dog. I'm not I'm not quite that level of pet owner. <laughs> That's what's but, uh, I was rocking my ugly Bob Ross Christmas sweater last night. This little local party thing. You should have broken it back out. You know. Uh, it is. Like, here's the thing. It was like December first yesterday, and I was like, "Damn, I feel weird wearing this on December 1st. But okay. Wow. Well, All right. Let's get to Jalen Turner, Bobby Green. And, uh, yeah, another, you know, I guess we could do Bobby Green versus Benil Dariush if they, you know, if that's a fight that that, that uh, Dariush should be up for because now they're suddenly kind of in the same position. Green didn't rise quite so high, but if he was thinking about making his big run up the division right now, Jalen Turner just... He put the brakes on that real hard. Well, how about let's give Dariush and Green like a year off. Sure, right? sure. Yeah, yeah. Let them heal up, and then we'll, 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 we can book that. But Turner looked sharp here, man. He looked so sharp and ready. He came out and was sniping and really surprised Bobby Green with just how long he was. Green is, you know, one of those Benson Henderson no-sell guys. Mm-hmm. He, he's doing the shoulder brush off, the, the no-look thing, and um, used to making guys miss and using his athleticism and craftiness and footwork to be elusive. Well, Jalen Turner's got that ridiculous reach, so he was able to, you know, extend and hit the target. Yeah, no, I was I, – I picked Green going into this – I really didn't like how hittable Turner is, but the thing that kept coming through, through going through my mind is green loves to be slick out at the end of range in a way that sets him up to actually get hit by stuff because it's kind of a, it's a showy slickness. It's a slickness that where he's depending on the idea of, Oh, I can dodge and slip something. And if I don't pick the right move, it's not that big a deal. Because I'm already I'm already out of range, I won't be there to be hit anyway. Right. And he's never fought somebody as long as Turner. So I was picking Green, but in the back of my mind, I'm saying like, ah, oh, I know this is a bad pick to make. I know this is a mistake. I'm taking it on faith. And sure enough, that was just exactly that. He was caught out of range guessing, and he guessed wrong. And he went out. Yeah, I was I was shocked at how many people were picking Bobby Green here, and I never I don't know why. Like I didn't I don't see it. Well, just, Turner Turner's defense is worse by the numbers than uh, uh, what's his name? I'm forgetting everything right now. Grant Dawson's like so what the what what in the world at, what in the world at, are you talking about at Sam? a high level. Turner gets hit a shitload. So he gets hit all the time. The fuck does that have to do with Grant Dawson? No, it's the same thing. I'm just saying, like, Grant Dawson also just got iced by Bobby Green. And that was a good reason to pick against Grant Dawson, is that he gets hit by everything. Yeah, but Grant Dawson can't strike like Jalen Turner. No, it's true. He can't. But he, I, they defend the same is what I'm saying. Jalen Turner has as natural a striking defense as, as Grant Dawson. Yeah, but he's longer, so he's better at... Uh, I know. I know. He's, he's insulated that, more, but... Yeah, it's, I don't... 
it's not like Bobby Green is some um, offensive juggernaut. No, but he is he's a, a very good defensive fighter in a way that Hooker, Turner, Dawson, a lot of these other guys who have run up to the edges and fallen back aren't. Well, I, I, he was tuning up Hooker, man. Like, he was tuning him he up. He was, and then he got beat because he kept getting hit all the time. Yeah, but I, I couldn't see. I, I, I just couldn't yeah, see. Yeah, I know. I, you're right. You were right. What do you want me to tell you? You were right. You I want explanations. Shocked. Point being, you I want was to... Yeah, yeah. I, I was just shocked. How dare you guys? <laughs> How dare us, all of us plebs go out there? And <laughs> we we do. Just... We do have to talk about the the asterisks here and the super uh, unnecessary ground and pound. Not Jalen's yeah. fault. No, right? the referee really had by you know he had that KO finish, not a TKO. He had that KO bet in there, and yeah, he was gonna let Bobby Green die. He full Yamasaki out there. I don't even know who the ref was. I don't even remember. Carrie Hatley. Carrie Hatley. Oof. One of yeah. the worst stoppages to date. I mean, for a minute, for about five seconds, I would have forgiven him because Jalen Turner was actually hitting Bobby Green so hard that it looked like Bobby Green was moving to defend himself. Like it was hard enough that it was sort of like his arm is going up and you're like, oh, yeah. maybe it was, it was an involuntary reaction. Yeah. So I could see for a minute how that would be. But then you get like 10 oh, no, or 12. No, no. You, you can see for 60 seconds, right? Like yeah. 60 seconds of the beating. You're like, okay. Yeah, exactly. That was hard and, to watch, man. Yeah, it's just like I can see for a couple of strikes how you'd be like, okay, well, maybe I don't stop it. But then you're getting like 10 or 15 strikes in. It's just like, okay, you really like – this man is not his body is not operating under the control of his brain in any way shape or form it's not right intelligently now. defending yourself yeah and that's why like I, I usually try to cut these guys a break when they stop a fight too early right you err on the side of caution this was i mean this is like this is like when they went overseas and they had that one referee that just was yeah this is this is criminal this is Hard to watch, man. This takes years off people's lives. Yeah. That's that was serious rough. CTE right there. Yep. So great win for Turner, though. Puts him right back in the mix at lightweight. He uh, you know, coming off of a couple of hard losses, hard split decision losses. And uh now right back, you know, in the in the in the top in the five to ten mix. Yeah. Uh, there, so let's see. I, I'm going to say personally to this, this felt like a Tan Dan stoppage to me. I always think of uh, Dan Mergliata as the gold standard of the late stoppage king. But oh, okay. was uh, Yamasaki certainly gets all the hate, and then Mazagati gets the Dana White, Brock Lesnar hate. <laughs> sure. Well, hey, Keith Peterson gets the – uh, he gets the Dominic Cruz hate. hate. That's right. Old Smokey Pete, or Smokey Peterson. That's right. Oh, and yes, I'm I'm watching BKFC as we speak. Okay, Eddie, Eddie's Eddie is currently distracted. I am here purely for the viewers. I want you all to know that I am here just for you guys. Well, full disclosure, I'm also doing the results post for BKFC. Yeah, no, we got it. Multitasking. Blood, bloody elbow is a. Uh, we we are a world of wearing many hats at the same time. Yeah, in different places too. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. That brings us to Davison Figueredo, Rob Font, and a return to power for Davison Figueredo. Man, I was skeptical. I he's he's a bulky dude, but he's a five foot five guy moving back up to moving up to Bantamweight after never having fought there. Getting shook up a couple of times in his recent fights, and I was just like, I don't know. Figgy has been great at his peak, but 35, making a weight division change, I'm skeptical. He looked prime. He looked like a prime championship killer. Yeah, it was good to see his power translating up to yeah. 
135. I think that was the biggest thing that kind of I wasn't sure about. Um, well, actually, well, there was a lot of things I wasn't sure about because I don't, I didn't know what the hell he looked like um, fighting yeah. anyone other than Brandon Moreno. Yeah, know? right. So and I didn't like, know what to expect going in here. I think a good thing too was that this looked like a fresh enough start for him that I say one of my worries was that over his fights with Moreno, it felt a little bit like he started to get his confidence shook up a little. He was a lot less interested in engaging in firefights with by the end of that series with Moreno, just because Moreno had taken so much of his best shots and come back at him. And this felt like a rebooted, confident Figueredo. He did not for one second believe that Rob Font could hurt him out there. You know? It was very much like, okay, yeah, you can step in and land three or four or five strikes, but I will kill you with one uppercut and... As long as I can do that, I can win. That's really was it. That was his saving grace here, in my opinion, because the first round, Font was hyper aggressive. Like he was coming out, really pressuring, forcing the issue. He didn't need any feeling out. And that's what he needed to do for the entire 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. However, Fig got that respect early. He got the respect from the threat of the takedown. And he wasn't able to hold down Rob Font because Rob Font did a fantastic fucking job of getting up. Shout out to him. Yep. But um, he had the threat of the takedown there. And then those solo strikes that were just so venomous. Yeah. That was a twofer. He had a twofer to back off Font and make him think twice about committing to anything. And yep. you cannot give Figgy time to – he's got that Yoel Romero mm-hmm. thing. Like, he, if you let him recharge, that's going to bite you in the ass. Yeah. I think it was it, it was the end of the second, maybe, or was it the end of the first? I think it might have been the end of the second, but it was like a close round, and then Figgy just Yeah, it was the end of the second. It was a nothing round, and then yeah. Figueredo just like landed five shots at the end. And you're like, Well, you gotta give that round to Figueredo. Right. Yeah. You know? So he, I mean, it, it just seemed like a best case scenario for Fig. He fought a very smart fight and fought gave Font gave him the fight he needed. So Yep. For Font, though, I got to say, this is starting to look really like he has locked himself into that borderline top 10 gatekeeper role where he is the testing point of, do you have real power? Because if you don't, Rob Font will go out there and he'll Adrian Yanez you, or he will, uh, you know, he'll coat, he'll do like, close the door like he did on Ricky Simone or Marlon Marais even. But the absolute elite creme de la creme top tier fighters in that division, not, you know, they, they've been able to hurt him harder and bigger like Marlon Vera did or find ways to fight around him like Corey Sandhagen did. And. Well, I, I think like one thing here that kind of gives me concern is the fact that he wasn't able to hold font down for any bit of time. Yeah. I mean, that I think is honestly the size, like Figgy's five, five, Sandhagen's five foot 10. Sandhagen is huge. Like he got him down there at the, in, at the end of the third. Yeah. Out. yeah. But he, like the way font was getting up so easily, like not a good sign. Yeah, Figgy is still a 5-5 Bantamweight. He's still going to be real small for that division in terms of leverage and being able to just, like, get on top and blanket somebody. That's tough to do when you're small. Mm -hmm. Um, But this was a great fight for him. This showed... Because, I mean, blanketing people's never been what Figueredo's about. This showed the heart of his game still, which is just that ability to stand in, eat one shot or two shots, and deliver something way bigger in return that you have to respect mm-hmm. and if he can do that again he can you know the fight the, the fight i saw uh, two or three people talking up that obviously seems like the immediate you gotta make it right now fight is davison figueredo peter yawn man nah man let peter yawn <laughs> fight some fucking bobo Come on. <laughs> like why are y'all doing this but we gotta yon. see it we gotta see it at right some now. point not right now. Okay. Okay. There's so many other people he could fight. Let's see. Figueredo, Bantamweight division. 
I mean, I guess there's also like, well, Song Yadong is fighting Chris Gutierrez, but if Song Yadong beats Chris Gutierrez, I would watch the hell out of Song Yadong versus Davis and Figueredo. Or the winner of either. The... Yeah, yeah. And, and sooner or later, too, there's Henry Cejudo floating around yeah. out there with nothing to do. That's actually the move. Yeah, That's right? The, move. the flyweight title fight we never got to see, but should have gotten to see. Yes, at at Bantamweight. Bantamweight. yes. Yes, fuck that weight cut. Let him yep. fight at Bantamweight. Make it a main event. Although, yeah. Figgy, Figgy in three rounds is where it's at. I'm going to just say yeah. that too. I like so, seeing him. A pay-per-view like co-main. Him. It could be a pay-per-view co-main. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. All right. That brings us to a welterweight fight. Sean Brady, Kelvin Gastelum. And were you among the the few or the many? I don't know how many people thought this. Were you among those that thought that Kelvin Gastelum was really primed to do something with this drop back down to welterweight? I was. Um, do something? You mean win this fight? Yes. Yeah. Win I this fight. He, I thought and, he would... and look good doing it, I thought. Yeah. I thought this was a no-brainer. And shout out to Alan thinking positively for the yeah. uh the the love on the Robbie Lawler interview. Appreciate you. But uh yeah, I thought this was a no-brainer too. This just felt like this is a fight Kelvin Gastelum can win. Sean Brady is He's he's strong, but Kelvin Gastelum can do strong. And yeah. he's, you know, he's not a huge welterweight. It shouldn't just be a blanket performance from a guy coming down from middleweight who has been able to hang in there with a lot of big dudes. And this didn't make no damn sense. You cut all that weight for this? Yeah. Dang, he didn't look good at all. No. He didn't look good at he all. He looked listless. And, I mean, there's always been this aspect to Kelvin Gastelum that he will let his opponent make the first move, get in on the first step, step because he believes that he can battle back and win out whatever happens next, whether it's being a counterpuncher and letting them fire first and come to him or getting in on a takedown because he can scramble out of it or whatever. It's been a part of his career. It's always been there. But, like, Sean Brady just... Use that to run over him. Yeah, I just, it didn't make no damn sense to me. He looked like shit. Yeah, especially coming like, that Chris Curtis fight, which yeah. was he was great in that it fight. It just doesn't make any sense. No, I don't understand what happened here. Um, and this was the fight where the cell phone lights came, the yeah. cell phone flashlights came out because Brady was so blanketing, and it just you know <laughs> wet blanket status, but. He got the finish. So yeah, I, you can't blame him. He went out there. He got the Kimura. He didn't hang out with G- Gaslam. Is so hard to to hurt standing, and Brady has you know he's had a, a tendency to fall apart late in fights when he gets stuck striking against people. I absolutely can see why he wanted to just get this fight down and turn it into a grappling battle. And Gaslam just didn't seem prepared for it at all. Yeah, I don't. I don't why would you cut all that weight for that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, this fight, Sean Brady gets the win. What does he get from here? I'm looking at the division. It's pretty booked. You've got Jeff Neal out there riding a loss. Well, he called out Ian Gary if Ian Gary gets past Vicente Luque. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that would make sense. They could do that fight. I don't think he yeah, and Gary he would care about it. agree to that. Yeah. Who, who the fuck yeah. is that guy? Probably more likely to get Jack Della Maddalena or <sighs> or Fakratinov. They better not put JDM in there. I don't want to see him in shit. Or the, they'll, they'll throw Fakratinov at him if Brady's willing to fight that yeah. far down. Now that, that's something I like. <laughs> that right there is entertaining. Otherwise, he's got to try to catch Jeff Neal on a on, in his I'm I'm a top ten fighter riding a loss. I need a rebound fight. That's probably the best hope he's got to actually fight forward. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's not awesome, but just look at I the mean, division. I'm not, ex- I'm not that excited to watch his style, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. You saying you would have had your cell phone out? You would have had the, the light going? Um, it depends how many how many uh, shoeies I I have done. <laughs> Over five shoeies, and yeah, I'm probably breaking out. The you used to come into the peer pressure. Yeah, I break out the. I, I break it out after a couple shoeies. I would say. All right. That brings us to a lightweight bout. Hey, when in Rome, you know. Yeah. You gonna throw up on somebody? Romans love throwing up. No, I was going to give the thumbs down. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, Joe Gary Kim's... Hatley was out there working. They, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Kim Silva, Clay Guida, lightweight bout. Definitely the best, the best way I could see this going. In that I would not have ever picked Clay Guida. This is the fight that... I think that this showed up too. This is a fight that Clay Guida absolutely would have won five or six years ago. Sure. Just no question. Would have had the pace, would have had the pressure, would have got the takedowns a little easier. Still got some takedowns. But this stage of Clay Guida, he, this was the best version, which is even though he's not that functional and offensive fighter anymore. I agree with that because. It's like it's taken him a long, long time for him to get comfortable enough on the feet to where he can sit down on punches and throw actual damaging strikes. Sure. Like early on, he was his punches were dog shit. Like it was, it was just it was, volume. It was. He wasn't but hurting anybody. Five or six years ago is still late career Clay Guida. Like that's how long he's been at this. Yeah, I guess that's true too. But you know, but he, only recently has, has he been like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna throw heaters," he, like like Jim Miller does now. His loss to Brian Ortega was in 2016, and that was a fight that Clay Guida was actually kind of winning standing up uh, yeah. against Ortega. You know, sure. So, well, Ortega striking was still coming of age. He didn't have his Max Holloway session yet, right? Sure. But I'm saying, like, you know, the Clay Guida that knocked out Joe Lozon in 2017 probably would have beat Joe Kim Silva. Yeah, maybe. But this version of Clay Guida, there was that one awesome moment where he ate those knees to the head and he was, it looked like he was about to get KO'd. And then he clubbed Silva with that huge right hand and had Silva rocked for just a minute. And you're like, you know what? That's all I need to see out of this fight. That was yeah. like the, no, the the one competitive moment of Clay Guida really battling back. We're like, great. This was not just a walkover, you know, old sure. man gets beat down sure. matchup. And that's Which all I, I thought. I thought Guida might be going to sleep in this one. Yeah. Um, but no, this overproduced. Clay Guida yeah. made it fun. He showed up. Yeah. He went for it. He was super game. Did damage. Like, this was fun. This was a lot of fun. Way more fun than I could have ever dreamt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever credit you want to, you know, however far you want to say Guida is past his prime or whatever, dude has been having fun fights for 20 years still entertaining still fun to watch that's that's remarkable hey you know what's not fun to watch anymore watching his brother slap him before fights i don't need to see that shit you're 40 yeah. bro i don't need to see you getting significant strikes landed on you before you walk into the <laughs> octagon to compete i don't need to see uh, that. I gotta stop that shit we get the Teamster version of uh, Jason Guida now, dude. In absolutely in his tru- in his trucker body days, I heard he was trying out for Power Slap. Yeah, well, that that doesn't surprise me, but it doesn't make me happy at all. No, it's sad. Yeah. All right. Well, we can't talk too much about the sad things. Joe Kim Silva, he got a win doesn't really get him anywhere doesn't really do anything keeps him in the as a mid-card action fighter in the lightweight division in a mid-card action fight in the lightweight division so well here's another thing like 
we we had a bunch of cool finishes leading up to this fight, and I was really expecting this one to just be the cooler. This was going to simmer us down, yeah. give us a chance to regroup. But nah, it, it, it was it, kept, a, it was a decent. It kept it yeah, it, it kept everything at a nice simmer right into uh, the Sean Brady Kelvin Gaston fight, which that was almost the cooler. And then you got the awesome submission to revitalize. Right. You know, this guy. Oh, yeah, Kimura. Really... He hit a Kimura on Kelvin Gastelum. I don't think we even said that. Yeah. This, this, uh, this car, which is awesome, too. I got to say, like, that is pure strongman jujitsu. That's for the middleweights and the light heavyweights and the heavyweights out there. Seeing a welterweight hit a Kimura like that on a strong dude like Kelvin Gastelum. Or that is impressive. Drop it down. Yeah. Like that is pure power submission status. Like that, that was really cool. Yeah. And it's, it was actually, he was working the arm triangle and then completely just switch gears yeah. to the arm. That was cool. Brilliant. All right. Now we'll get to my sad fight of the night, which was Dustin Stoltzfus, Punaheli Soriano. And it wasn't a bad finish. It was a simmering, eh, not great, not terrible fight for most of it. But man, Soriano just did not look good out there at all. He well, he looked good up until the ball shot. Once he got needing the balls, he looked black that. Yeah. When the fight started, he was doing damage, you know. He was he was rocking Stoltzfus. Then he got hit in the balls, and ever since then he was just he was out of it. They didn't even call the cup shot, though, did they? Because yeah, I know they took a little time uh, out. Yeah. Okay. That I I'm, I must have. That's been blanked from my memory. Yeah. I'm thinking of the Bellato Poteria fight, mm-hmm. where he need need Poteria in the balls and, and then beat him after that. But. Uh, but yeah, this was um. This was just lackadaisical. Like Soriano, he's a dude who's got. He seems like he has a ton of natural talent. Fast, strong, hits hard. Has like he had the amazing scrambles with Nick Maximoff, so I know he can wrestle a bit too. But he just can't really put it all together in the cage and losing to Stoltzfus. Like, no shade on Stoltzfus, but uh, he's not a UFC level talent. Yeah, maybe he is though. Maybe Pinaleli Soriano isn't. No, I mean, they're both not. It's clearly the, the, the walk away from this. Although Stoltzfus has apparently changed up his camp a bit, so maybe that'll help, but it's just it's just slow. Yeah, this fight was tough to watch. Yeah. It really was. It, it This was the cooler. For, even though, like I said, it had a rear naked choke, it wasn't a terrible fight in a vacuum, but kind of knowing, like, it's almost know. it's almost as if Soriano and Kelvin Gaslam were hanging out together. Yeah. What were we all drinking on? He contracted something from Gaslam. Yeah. Got the, the itis. From the- <laughs> yes, fucking <Jake. laughs> We've been doing this for too long. Uh, we have re-singularities, eh? Yes. <laughs> oh man. Simpatico. All right. That brings dude, and, dude on a night on a night when we got back to back slams out of submissions for knockouts. What's going on? Right, it's the whole it, the whole MMA world is just unifying into one mass. All right, before that, Misha Tate, Julia Avila. This was kind of a this was a big highlight of the night for me, honestly, because. After Tate's fight against um, Lauren Murphy last time out at flyweight, I was not feeling where she was at in her career at all. And the move back up to Bantamweight, like dropping back down, dropping down, jumping back up, that kind of bouncing around, Watching Tate slowly like work herself into this sort of outboxer style of fighting, where you're like, Misha Tate gonna try to like beat people behind a jab and like boxing craft at range? That's terrible. Like Lauren Murphy just went out there and outpunched you. You're not. It's not gonna happen. 
stop trying to make jab happen, Misha. It's not, it's not going to happen. And so to see her go out there against Avila and just be like, remember when I was a hyper aggressive wrestle grappler who would just go after people? That was awesome. Like, yeah. this is the, the version of Misha Tate that won a championship. Mm-hmm. You know? I even liked her ground and pound. Yeah. You know, she wasn't just being positionally dominant. She was sprinkling in those ground strikes. And, you know, they're not the biggest things ever, but they were, they started adding up. And, you know, I mean, Julia, the sub. Julia Avila is one of those fighters who's clearly a pretty good athlete that just kind of got into MMA late. And she's got another like full time professional job. So she just doesn't, she's not as invested as everybody else. And so it's always been one of those things like, oh, you can do some cool, aggressive stuff. You fight hard and all that. But really, you should be pretty in over your head with a lot of these UFC bouts at a high level. And Misha Tate was the one who really went out there. I think tonight was like, this is the actual example of that. Mm -hmm. This is the there are levels and you are not at this level fight where Avila just was... She looked totally dispirited and she was not prepared and she had no answer. And she got pissed at the ref for like not stopping the fight quick enough when she tapped and she was panic tapping to that neck crank over her jaw. Mm -hmm. It's just like, this is your fault. You were not prepared to defend yourself in this fight. You're not good enough. That ref stopped that fight as fast as he can. You should have not been out there for the third round even because you weren't competing. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, 10-8 no. rounds. These were 10-8 rounds. If this were Street Fighter, it would have been a perfect... Yeah. <laughs> you know, this was total domination. Like, somebody got a little mad at me. They said I was being rude when I, I wrote on Twitter that Julia Avila can't stop a takedown to save her life. But if Misha Tate was trying to kill her, she'd be dead. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> literally, not to save your life, you cannot stop this person from doing whatever they want to you. You know? No, it was, it felt really good to see me yeah. be this dominant in the year 2023. It really did. Cause she's taken all the hiatuses, the, all this different paths out there that, that all seemed like they took her away from the parts of fighting. She did well. And it's been years since we saw Misha Tate look this good and fine. I'm trying to think like when's the last time we saw Misha Tate really just like go out there and put it on somebody. Well, she got that ground and pound finish of Marion Renault. Yeah, but it's Marion Renault. And well, so like who who is there? Like what names are there really? Like I mean, you got you got to go back to like her title winning fight against Holly Holm. Honestly, you know. Yeah, um, but even then, like that was a, well, I think that was a comeback. It was a comeback. Yeah, I mean, realistically, you almost have to go back to 2012, Julie Kedzie, Strike Force champion. Or you got to look at just dominant or, decisions. Some of those, some of them, those decisions in there. Yeah, but it's been a long time since we saw the version of Misha Tate that just went out there and went after people. So this was cool, you know. You know the fight to make now. Home Tate two. No. Oh. Rousey Tate two at UFC three. 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 Rousey Tate three. Oh, three three. Excuse yes. me. Excuse me. Excuse me. At yeah, I know. I know. They should. They should. They should they, absolutely. They do. need that kind of magic for that UFC three hundred card right now because right now I got the feeling that it's going to be headlined by Jamal Hill versus Alex Pereira, and. Alex Pereira is a cool dude, and Jamal Hill, it'll be a decent fight, but, like, the UFC 200, before a bunch of crap went down and they had to change a bunch of shit, it was supposed to be headlined by John Jones, Daniel Cormier 2, alongside Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz 2. That was the UFC 200 lineup. That was what they were planning. Right now, 
they have you know word is that they're not going to do McGregor versus Chandler. So, like, they literally do not have a big fight set and ready for this UFC 300 card, as far as we know. When are they do? When are they doing um, Stipe Jones? That'll probably be International Fight Week. I like July. Like July. Hmm. So. Well, yeah, if they could pull that off, that'd be massive. Yeah, I don't think that Ronda Rousey's coming back to the UFC, but they need something, man. All right. That brings us to our second of two awesome slams of the night. Cody Brundage, Zach Reese. I got to apologize to Cody Brundage because in the, the live chat tonight over on our Substack. I started this fight out saying I'm picking Zach Reese because I don't I don't trust Cody Brundage to finish a sandwich right now. And Damn. like I I my other feeling here was Zach Reese is very much uh Paul Craig 2.0 and is going to get KO'd really badly at some point in the UFC, but I just don't think it's gonna be tonight. <laughs> and it was tonight. It was tonight in the most Paul Craig way of getting KO'd too, which is in the middle of an absolutely vicious looking triangle. Yeah, that's um wow. And honestly, it didn't even look like he lifted him that high off of the game. No, he just that that as Dan, as Danny Cormier said, that octagon must be extra hard tonight. It doesn't know. take much, I guess. Yeah, it was um, and and the way Brundage slammed him on the side of his head. Yeah, it helped in putting him out. The the a knockout is a lot more. I mean, there's a lot of brain trauma to be had, trauma to be had getting slammed on the back of your head, but uh, the side to side motion, the torsion of like your brain twisting, mm-hmm. is often what knocks people out. It's what takes the elite equilibrium out and stuff like that. Yeah, so, and those follow-up ground strikes didn't help either. No, Ooh. no. Reese got he got messed up, and uh, yeah, like I said, I I had trepidation about I have trepidation about him overall in the UFC because it's a very he's doing a very Paul Craig esque game, and everybody loves Paul Craig, but that doesn't stop Paul Craig from getting knocked out every third fight he's in, or choked out. Or choked out, <laughs> as the case may be. But. Yeah, honestly though, I I need to see Zach Reese fight some fight Paul Craig. Yeah, I need to see that at some time. Giant sized scrawny middleweights who love to pull guard and go yeah. for violent submissions. We will get the first ever UFC double guard pull. Yeah, double choke out. Yeah, both guys locked in. Yeah. To something Honestly, going to sleep at the same when, time. When Paul Craig fought Brendan Allen, I called for the double submission, and it almost happened. Yeah, it we almost got it. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. All right. Uh, before that, Drakkar close Joe Selecki, and as cool as the Brundage slam knockout was, that Drakkar close slam that was something really special. Oh man, he got some hang time on that one. Yeah, this was closer to the Ricardo Arona Quentin Rampage Jackson slam, but out of an arm bar. Like you never see. Like it's one thing when you're getting to like bend from you know do the sit up, do the do the or the do the, like the deadlift where you're lifting from your core and power you got bomb. Your, yeah, you're doing the power bomb, but when you've got a guy hanging off one of your arms from the side. Like you don't get that same kind of core get up because all their weight is over one of your legs, you know. Well, here, here's here's the de- well. First of all, the odds were pretty close on this for no fucking reason. The disrespect close, yeah. Drink blew a, my mind. Disrespect to close, close is a dude who does not get out wrestled, does not get out grappled to a loss. It's never happened. No, he. uh yeah, and he's a beast, right? Yeah. He's a solid athlete. He's explosive. And Selecki, who the fuck is he beating to yeah. make anybody think that he had a shot here? Uh, so 
Selecki to even lock up that arm bar. He hit this wick. He grabbed the leg. He reached and used the leg to get the angle to lock yep. up the arm bar. It was gorgeous, and it was it so was. tight. But then he lets go of the leg to try to finish the arm bar. And if he would have just held on to the leg, close wouldn't have been able to slam him. So, you know, he got a little greedy a little too soon and it cost him big time. I had the greed too is what got him, put him in position to have to go for that arm bar. Cause close. I really thought that was slick that close, the way close set him up that he could see. So like he was trying to, to take his back over and over. And so he gave up his back just a little bit to try to stand. And when Selecki yeah. tried to take it, he just turned straight through it and ended up on top in guard. That was real slick. Yeah, he's a beast. Yep. Man, he's uh he's a problem. If he can stay focused, like and he can stay healthy, he can easily beat a bunch of cans and make a bunch of money. Like he wants Yeah, to. yeah. He wants the worst fighters <laughs> in the UFC, so he yes. can keep getting paid. Yes, I love that so much more than the old like, oh, whoever the UFC wants me to fight. Yeah, yeah. give me the right, give me somebody in the rankings, rankings, yeah, please, yeah. whatever. It's just like go out and say something fun at least, you know. This is the Sean O'Malley route, and I dig it. Yep, you, you give me the lamest guy I can fight, and that's who I want for my contractual money. Yeah, that's right. After all, you, you you rank up, you know, three or four real big highlight KOs that way, like Sean O'Malley did. And suddenly you're getting those big fights. You yeah. Know? I'm here for it. All right. That brings us to the sloppy ass wild shit buck wild <laughs> free for all brawl of the night. Adolfo Vieira, Ihor Portieria. And for a minute, I was filled with dread and trepidation. I mean, this was a bad night for my fight picks anyway. I won't lie. I didn't do too hot. But I was filled with dread and trepidation because Ihor Potierio, he came out and he looked fast. He looked like he had been putting in some work and trying to get better. And Bellato looked slow, mm-hmm. real slow. And Potieri was just out there sticking and moving and landing and being first. And Bellato, to his credit, you know, he kept the pressure on. He kept backing Potieri to the cage and trying to land his shots when he could. But it was a worry. And then Bellato got crushed, just absolutely slammed by a couple of huge shots, dropped in all kinds of trouble. Potieria swarming him all over the place. And it's just like, oh man, this fight is over. Got it. Bellato got, got his head bounced off the cage like four or five times by vicious ground and pound. Those hammer fists were mm-hmm. nasty, clean, unblocked. Yeah. yeah. And just timing. And every time, just, just enough perception that he might still be conscious to keep the ref from waving it off. The ref had stopped it. I wouldn't Hold, on. Have been... Hold on, Zane. Who was this referee? This was... Was this Gary Hadley? It might have... Let's see. This Bro. was... Bro. <laughs> who, who... Who... No, Jacob Montalvo. Okay. One of the good ones. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, this was wild. Uh, Potieria kind of got robbed of a finish. He This fight could have yeah. been stopped a couple times, but on the same token, he didn't because... Bellato clearly wasn't done fighting. But Bellato was just clinging to consciousness, just moving enough where yeah. you're like, okay, he's still there. He right. could stop it, but he's still there. Yeah. And then he got up and he waved Potieria on, and you're like, <laughs> okay, this is cool. I'm here for this moment. Dude, that was insane. That was insane. And just went after him, and it was... You know, he got him. He got Potieria down. Got it. Cut right through his guard. Cut straight to mount. And then he did the. He he got in the like the little pitter pat mount ground and pound. But mm-hmm. for a man who's you know probably two hundred and thirty pounds rehydrated in there, only so long you can do that without getting a knockout. So. Yeah, no, this was a, a insane momentum swing. Oh, just yep. a wild comeback. Absolutely wild. Yeah. I think uh, it, so Potieria, he 
really needed to be perfect for 15 minutes here. Yeah. And this is light heavyweight. And that's really tough. It's impossible. To yeah. It is impossible in that division. You can't you can't let someone hang around that's that athletic, that powerful. Because that's the thing. Like yep. Eeyore was he was uh, basically throwing volume and it was landing cleanly and he was doing damage, but the strikes that that Bellotto was throwing were just so much more impactful. Yeah, I mean Bellotto is probably in, in a in a real world that doesn't cut where MMA fighters don't cut like thirty or forty pounds. Bellotto is a heavyweight. He's just a heavyweight out there, right? And he doesn't have that light heavyweight speed. But he does have that heavyweight power. He's got that you heavyweight know. chin, too. He's got that heavyweight chin, too. And he's got the heart. Yep. Like, he kept coming. He could have got. He could have gassed out, but he yeah. didn't. That was impressive. So, just a fun-ass fight. Yeah. Absolute, like, both these dudes only know about one quarter of what you need to fight at a high level in MMA. <laughs> but the fight is going all sorts of wild and weird places because of it, you know? Sure. All right. That brings us to a welterweight bout, Jared Gooden, Wellington Terman. And uh, I feel all kinds of bad for Wellington Terman. Like, he's got a good camp behind him. He's clearly working really hard to get better. Like, he came out and... He his striking looked creative. It looked powerful. He looked confident. Defense was still really bad, but all the offense was there. And it's you know you're like, oh man, Terman looks like he's he's onto something here. And nope, just it's you know, dude is not not durable enough for the difficulties of this sport. He, man, there's something about him that just, he's got that Bigfoot Silva in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just has it in him. I don't know what it is, but he can't see punches coming. I, I don't know. He don't move yeah. his head. He should have won this fight. Oh, yeah. Um, probably a couple different times, but you got to credit Gooden for being tough and gutting out some bad situations and for not quitting on himself and for continuing to throw. And, yeah. You know, Terman was there to be hit. One thing I've, I've seen from Gooden in a bunch of his fights is that he's a dude who will get rocked repeatedly and always looks to throw back while people are coming after him while he's hurt. Like he will always be active while he's hurt. He doesn't ever shell up and just like, you know, not know what to do. And this was that. Like Terman had him and he waited in and Gooden was ready, ready to keep throwing, ready to make something happen. And he got what he got it back. So Yeah, this was wild. What a, what a what a slobber knocker this was. Mm-hmm. This was insane. Oh shit. Uh Jeremy Stevens just stopped Jimmy Rivera in oh, damn. KFC due to a cut. Oh well, okay, that's that's less impressive. But it good to see Jeremy Stevens get a win back. He needs some these days. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then our final fight for opening bout of the card: Veronica Hardy, Jamie Lynn Horth, and um, kind of a solid performance for both women. Considering, yeah, I think so too. You know, like Hardy, she probably would have lost this fight if it hadn't been for that upkick in round two that dropped Horth to one knee. Like, and yeah. was the, the biggest strike of that round, honestly. If, if there was a fourth round, I think it probably would have gotten really ugly. Yeah. For, uh, for and for, for Horth, that, she's got to look at that round three. I mean, the commentary even said it. She's got to look at that round three and been like, man, I could have done this like two rounds ago. And I wouldn't have been losing this fight. Just, yeah, no shit. She looks so much bigger, but she she didn't get comfortable till you know like yeah, middle, she, middle of the fight. Yeah. So for Hardy, she looks like she's overcome a lot of her sort of you know jitters and her her problems controlling her output and pace and that kind of stuff. And for Horth, she figured out what fight she needed to have, just not soon enough to win it. Yeah, I like what she should though. Yeah. 
if, if she can figure out how to be grimy and get in on get into the clinch and really be like high output in the clinch and bullying if she can figure that out earlier she can win some fights this level. yeah she's a specimen like, and it's it could also be like an experience thing she hasn't had yeah. that many fights exactly so she a little bit of experience a little bit of some some salty dog veteranism she she might be a problem yeah all right on that note we are going to jump over to our sub stack for some bonus content so if you subscribe to our sub stack you'll get a little more from us to access the bonus content of this show you must be a paid subscriber to do that go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection main card and prelims UFC preview shows, the sixth round post-fight show, the Show Money podcast, and the MMA depressed us.